Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Boy, God is good. Amen. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the kids for Sunday school. Ooh. Have fun in Sunday school, guys. good guys i feel all like loosened up after church okay so one question before like i get started okay so we made some changes with the sound too loud too fine okay okay perfect so the reason why i asked that is because like under here i like put a big old like subwoofer down here so we got the low end you guys should have heard that song without that that's how we did it last week without that thing oh my word it sounds so much better this week (laughs) like i want to do it again Sounds so much better. Got some low end in there. My wife really feels it over here because it kind of fires that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we rearranged a little bit and moved some things around. And uh, I decided that I was going to move over to this one because I feel like that one's kind of in the hole over there. And I'm all dressed up today. I'm like, I asked you guys, like, I don't know, it's like, I know you like it, Grandma. (laughs) Everybody knows you like it, Grandma. (laughs) uh, I've been helping out in Moorhead, and so, uh, not not because they're, like, any better or anything like that, but they dress up for church, and and so I'm like, okay, well, I guess I probably probably better dress up, I better not show up to preaching jeans, but give a few more weeks I'll wear some some jeans again but for a little while I may look a little more dressed up um but uh, this is this is the last week of Mark and I know that I will event again like preach out of Mark but uh in this series and focusing on what we've been focusing on and stuff um this is the last one in Mark chapter 16 and so um I'm going to pray real quick, and then we will jump into recap, and then we will go into Mark chapter 16. So it's been exciting looking at the beginning and the end, like the contrast and everything. It's so, I don't know, it's been so awesome. And I'll start with this and say that I feel like studying the book of Mark the way that I have has really uh, changed me. It really has. Like, I wouldn't think, like, I mean, I know that the Bible, when you read it, like, it it changes you. But, like, I didn't know that it was going to change me so much. (laughs) This ain't hooked up to the internet, so I don't know how that's happening, okay? Y'all, like, I don't know how that works. We'll just turn that off. I don't know what happened. My computer, clearly there's issues today. I don't (laughs) know. Oh, Jesus. Just goes right along with my weird mood today that I'm in. (laughs) 
All right, I'm going to pray real quick before we get into this. God, I pray that you would touch today. God, I pray that you would minister to each and every one of us. Strengthen us, God. I pray that you would anoint me as I preach your word today. God, I pray you would move in every heart, every life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. Recaps. Last week, we talked about prophecy in the Old Testament and how so much, how so much of it lined up with Jesus. Um, I talked about a professor, and I said, you know, like, there's people who obviously argue the points that the professor made and, and things like that. So, you know, take it for what you will. If you want to look into it, his name was, um, and I didn't put it in my notes, but he was a professor of, it was Matt, uh, Peter Stoner, I think was his name. And he was a professor of mathematics and astronomy. And he stated that um, the only way that Jesus could have fulfilled prophecy of the Old Testament is if the Old Testament prophecy had been divinely inspired. So meaning that, that God gave the words that are written in the Old Testament. And so I think that's kind of important, like, when you see that. And so you have Jesus come, and he fulfills all of these prophecies. Like, it's, it's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfills. And, and this mathematician figured out, you know, I don't know how he figured it out. I don't know his reading. He has a whole book. I think it's called Science Speaks. If you want to read it, you certainly can. Um, and you can tell me what's in it. <laughs> um, it's an old book. Um, but... Uh, he talked in there about how the chances of someone fulfilling eight of these prophecies was, um, it was one in a hundred quintillion. Thank you. Yes, big number. And uh, Cindy told me how much that was, five times more than the, like the national GDP or whatever, like a lot. So when you think about that, and so like he put it into perspective, um, he, he said, if you were to take a silver dollar and you were to put a mark on it and you were to fill Texas, the size of Texas, I believe it was a foot and a half deep, um, and mix it all up, a blind man walking across, that is the chance that he would pick up that marked coin. So like, it was like a huge chance that he was not going, that no one would fulfill those prophecies, but here comes Jesus and he fulfills like 300 of these prophecies, which means it's like, it has to be divinely inspired. And, and, and Jesus truly has to be who Jesus says he is. And so it's really important when we look at that, like Jesus doesn't get to pick how he's crucified. Like he doesn't get to pick. He doesn't get to pick how he's, uh, how he's beaten. He doesn't, he doesn't get to do any of that. He doesn't get to pick where he was born. Like, it's not like, hey, this is what's going to happen. No, like the prophets of old, like spoke these things divinely inspired by God. And so last week, we also talked about Among Us. Noah, you're here today. I'm so glad. I was wishing you would have been here last week because I had a whole thing on, uh, on Among Us. Do you play Among Us? Okay, I'm good with that. Used to. So out of our whole church, there's like one person. Me, Rochelle, Ashley, and you, Noah. Oh, Millie and Aubrey. So there's like, there's like, there's like a very close, uh, very, very. And so I was like, oh, you know what we should do? I was talking after church last week and I was like, we should have an Among Us game and like get into it. And like, I, apparently I'd have to message all the parents and be like, hey, tell your kid to put in this code into Among Us and then we can play Among Us all together and it would be fun. Um, <laughs> maybe down the road. But anyways, we talked about Among Us last night and my sister is the type of person who likes to just hit the buzzer and trying to randomly accuse people. I do too. Like, it's like, 
Why? The question mark, like, what? Like, we've been playing the game for, like, 30 seconds, and you think you already know who one of the imposters is? So I guess that's one thing I should explain for everyone else who doesn't know what Among Us is. Um, it's this, it's really a dumb game. You, you run around on the spaceship, and you're a little alien guy, and you do tasks. And then there is a couple of people on the ship that are not doing tasks. They fake the tasks, and they are imposters, and they're trying to win the game. And you complete your tasks, and that's how you win the game. So the imposters try and take everyone else out. It's a really fun game. <laughs> it's, just, it's really silly. Um, it's a lot of fun. But anyways, the idea behind it was last week we, we went through the scriptures in Mark 15 where the Pharisees were standing around and they, uh, they were riling up the crowd when Jesus, when, when, when Pilate comes out and asks, who should I release to you? Should it be Barabbas or should it be Jesus who you call the king of the Jews? And the high priests were like, yell out Barabbas. Like they were, they were trying to get people riled up, yell out Barabbas. So like, I can imagine there was probably a few people that yelled out Jesus. I would like to think, you know, um, that there was a few that yelled out Jesus, hopefully. But you know how it is, like the group, oh, I guess we're going that direction. <laughs> Barabbas, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Started off with Jesus, but you know, like they riled it up. And so that's kind of the way the, my sister plays. She goes in and she just like tries to like in 30 seconds and sometimes it works. And I'm like, gosh, we haven't done anything. Like, how are we voting someone off? Okay, fine. I guess I'll vote him off too. I mean, that's probably how it works, I guess. I don't know. Um, but she's loyal to none but herself. <laughs> um, but we, we, we were talking about the, the Among Us thing and we were just kind of joking about how like sometimes that's how it is though. We hear that voice of like, hey, it's red is sus which means sus, sus. help me out noah suspicious thank you wow <laughs> red you're, red is suspicious he was chasing me he was also going to the to the to the electrical to fix the lights too so he wasn't chasing you but you know whatever it's fun um <laughs> and and we listened to that voice and we're like okay okay let's do it and and and, and so everyone votes off the wrong person and it's kind of like that in the Bible. Like, that's what I saw was, here, here's Jesus. And he's like, all right. And the people are like, give us Barabbas. And Jesus probably knew what was going to happen. But I feel like if I was Jesus, I'd be like, really? <laughs> this guy versus me? Like, I healed the blind, the sick, the lame. Like, remember at the book of Mark, like, everyone was bringing all of the people to Jesus. Like, we, the very first town that they came into, it was like he was healing all the sick and the demon-possessed. And like I said, well, how, how many people were demon-possessed back in the day? Like, we were, like what in the world? <laughs> Maybe there's more today than what we think. Um, and so we see all this, like Jesus did all of these things. People were, people were at the door trying to get in to get to Jesus for him to touch them. And here they are, probably the same people saying, crucify him. What, what, what went on in their heads? Like, what was going on? And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how, like, the high priest and how that he was, I feel like when we see him tear his garments, it was that, that, that the Talmud, that all that, all of the rules and the laws of that day were his God. That, that God was no longer about relationship, but rules. It was all about, you know, I, I want to have relationship 
I, I don't want it to be all about rules. I don't want it to be about everything else that I need to do. I want it to be that I am in it with my heart. Like my heart is a part of it. And so they mentioned how sometimes people will rile us up and we get focused on the wrong voice. And so we do the wrong thing. Yes, it was the wrong decision to say Barabbas. Did they have need to say Barabbas for things to move forward? Yes, but it was still the wrong answer. And I think sometimes we can be like that where we hear the voice and we don't listen to the right voice. The voice of the enemy is louder instead of the voice of God because we've become more familiar to the voice of fear. We've become more familiar with the, with the voice of depression, with, with, with the voice of anxiety, whatever it may be in your, in your head that, that you hear, you constantly hear those things over and over and over again. And, and, and you, you struggle with hearing the voice of God. I'll admit it. I've been there. Every once in a while, I am there. Like still going forward, I have these struggles and these trials in my life and I have to make the, the decision that, no, I can't listen to that voice. That can't be the voice of God because God is, is not the author of confusion. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't give fear. I should have a fear of God, but I can't have fear in my life. If I operate in fear, I'm never going to take steps of faith forward. So this whole series has been about what is the next step for your life? Taking that next step in your relationship with God. So the voice that you give ear to will be the voice that you hear the majority of the time. And so I ask you, what is the voice you are listening to? What is that voice that you hear? The next thing we look at is, we looked at was tearing down the temple. Was not just the, the beating and crucifixion of Jesus, but it was also the words that people spoke. Our words have the ability to lift people up and the words to tear people down. Like you see these people as Jesus is crucified and beaten. They're like, oh, I thought you were the king of the Jews. Well, he, oh, listen, he, he's calling for Elisha or Elijah. I can't remember which one it was. You can read chapter 15 again and, and figure it out. <laughs> but he, he, he calls, he, they say, oh, he's calling for Elijah. Why don't you just, if you're the son of God, why don't you just go ahead and take your, um, yourself off the cross? And like all these things that they're saying to Jesus. And like, I don't know what was going through their mind. Like, oh, this is a good idea. Let me put a guy down who's already been beaten, uh, nailed to a cross, all these things. Like, good enough? right? Like, go home. What's wrong with you people? Like, you wanted to like, look at this and like, watch this as entertainment. Kind of like the entertainment that's on like TV today. Like, we got to be careful about what we put in because what we put in is what comes out. So I would much rather fill my heart with God's word so that I begin to re reproduce his word, so that I become a disciple of Jesus. Everything comes down to discipleship. Every single day, I've got to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in pattern, in practice, and in power. So tearing down the temple, they tore him down with his words. Think about your words. How have you spoken to people in your life? We've all had that moment of, uh, lapse of judgment and said things we weren't supposed to say to someone. Did you make it right? 
the Bible talks if we have aught with our brother, like if we have something between us, we should go and make it right with them. So let's do this as a church. Let's try our very best to never have anything between each other. Like we, if we do, let's be a church that works on it. Let's, let's define that right now before we ever take another step forward. Let's say that's part of the culture of this church. That if I've got a problem with you, like I'm going to come and talk to you and tell you about the problem. But if you've got a problem with me, please come and talk to me. Let's work together to further the kingdom of God because the enemy loves to divide. And if we get divided, then it's easier to overcome a smaller group of people. So let's stick together. Let's be in one mind and one accord. Finally, the last point that we looked at last week, probably my favorite one of all, was when Jesus yells out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So at the moment, at that time, at that moment when he yells that, the veil in the temple that separated everything from the holiest of holies was torn in two. Like, I know we get to like go over this, like we went over it last week and we get to go over it again this week. But like this, this part of the story, like you're probably going to hear me talk about this another hundred times if you go to church. Because I love this part of the story. This is the most important part of the story because when that veil tore, it opened up for us to have the ability to have a relationship with Jesus. He made a transition from with us to within us. I'm thankful that the veil was torn. It was no longer the high priest's responsibility, but now I can go freely into the presence of God. And we talked about never letting that become common in our lives. This was, a, this was signifying the transition of being with them to within them. And, and this was making the way for us to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to experience that power. This was, this was us be, have, uh, being given the, uh, the opportunity to have a personal relationship, not governed by another, but a personal re relationship that doesn't require us to go through someone, but a relationship where I can come to Jesus myself. I, I, I don't need you to come and tell me all your sins. The only person you need to tell your sins to is Jesus. If you want to talk about it, we can talk about it, but I'm going to tell you, have you repented? Because ain't nothing I can do for you. Your relationship with God is yours. Yes, it's your relationship. It's not mine. It's not contingent on what I do. But it's contingent on, on what you do. Did you know that? That's a, some exciting stuff, right? Like, it's, it's on you. <laughs> so if I want to have a relationship with God, then I got to have a relationship with God on my own. Like, church helps. Studying the Bible helps. But it is on you. So we've gone through the book of Mark. And, and as I've studied this, like this is, this is one of those things. Like I'm going to wait. I'm going to just like reel it back. Hold on for that thought. Let's start with Mark 16. My sister was complaining that I'm preaching too long. because She's like, and, and the only reason why she was complaining that I was preaching too long is she's like, well, you're not watching the kids. And I was like, so? <laughs> I have to watch all the adults. <laughs> have you dealt with them before? 
<laughs> she, 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 last week, she was like, oh, you preach forever. I was like, we sung the songs forever. It just seemed like it. She's like, you weren't with the kids last week. <laughs> oh, wrap it up, Zach. <laughs> Rochelle's like, I came downstairs and he was still in his, in his recap. <laughs> I'm like, you're not helping me, Rochelle. So I cut a page out of my notes today. So it's nine and then a half pages. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into Mark chapter 16. I'm going to preach super fast today. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> I know you don't want me to. <laughs> so I want to bring you back to the beginning before we go to the end. So there's something. <laughs> oh, oh, you're starting in Mark 16. We are, but we have to start in Mark chapter 1 now. <laughs> they shouldn't have said anything. Probably wouldn't have done this, but it's all their fault now. You guys just got really long-winded today. <laughs> So I want to remind you, the first chapter in Mark, many times we can forget where we started and we focus only on the present. So when Jesus shows up in Mark, he steps in and he has authority and begins to teach and cast out demons. Jesus shows up in just this chaotic time and begins to change lives, to change that mindset of the religious elite of that day. And, and I just see it over and over again in Mark, this, this theme of Jesus trying to change that mindset that was in the religious world. And so in Mark uh, 1, verse 21 through 28, it says, they, were in, they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. Just, the, uh, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. He cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted. A loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed. And so they began to ask each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commanded, he commands even the unclean spirits obey him at once. The news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. So remember, Jesus steps in. And begins to do some mighty works in Mark chapter 1. And it sets the stage for the rest of what happens all throughout Mark. We see it over and over. Jesus stepping in, touching people's lives and changing people's lives. Like over and over again, he continues to reach. He continues to touch and people are changed. We see him feed the 5,000 and the 4,000. We talked about... The, the brokenness, it's okay to bring our brokenness before God. We don't have to be perfect. Well, we don't need to be good to get God, but we need God to get good. Like, I, I need him in my life. Like, and, and we, it's okay to bring your brokenness. That can be your sacrifice. That can be what you bring him. Just like the little boy who broke the bread and brought it to Jesus. And as Jesus broke it, continued to feed all those around. Your brokenness can touch someone else's life. So keep in mind all that we have seen as we come into Mark 16. So now I will actually start reading Mark 16. <laughs> when the Sabbath, Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they could go and anoint him very early in the morning. On the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? So like, 
Let me pause for just a moment. This is a really exciting part of the thing that like hit me while I was, you can remember like how like sometimes I don't, I find something new. <laughs> I found something new, guys. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. He says, don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him. Like, look at the look at the blood-stained place that he was at. Look at the blood-stained garment. No, it's gone. He's gone. He's Jesus is not there anymore. It's exciting. Oh, just wait. Just wait. I gotta finish. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment. I love the word astonished. And here it is again. Astonishment overwhelmed them. Trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. They were so wowed at what happened that uh, they went out running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Let's, like, if you go back a couple of verses, like, I'm pretty sure the guy said, hey, go tell everyone. And they're like, oh, let's not tell anyone because I think we're crazy. <laughs> if a couple of people saw it, it's probably true. <laughs> so it's that word again, astonished. But this time it was to the point of being overwhelmed that they ran away. In the beginning, they were astonished. Oh, wow, look at this teaching. He teaches with authority. I've never heard this. The scribes aren't like this. Well, here's Jesus, and he's like getting into it, and oh, man, look at this. Now they're astonished to the point they're running away, scared. Big contrast, right, from Mark 1 to Mark 16. There's a big difference in what they see. So now I'm not saying that they should not have been afraid. I would have probably been freaked out at that point, too, like walking into the room. There's someone who's like, he's risen. They can never seen someone risen before, like, Jesus, like, he, I saw him dead. Like, they really beat him up. They pierced him in the side, like, crucified on the cross. Like, he was dead. And now there's someone in the tomb with the stone rolled away. I'd have been a little freaked out, too. So I don't hold that against them. He did say, though, that the temple would be torn down and built up again three days later. And here we go. Jesus says what happens. And what happens? What Jesus says happens. That's like mind-blowing, right? Like Jesus said, it's going to happen, and then it happens. It's like, what? Like, he actually does what he says he's going to do? Like, I don't know. Like, it's mind-blowing to me. Not really. <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, sometimes, like, we say that we're going to do something, and then we don't, like, follow through with it. So follow through with what you say. Follow the pattern. Jesus did what he said he was going to do. So let me ask you this today. If you came up to the tomb, like this is the part that I really like, okay? So, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, laid to rest into the tomb, sealed up for me, for you. What if you were going to your tomb today? Not your physical tomb where you're going to be buried, but like, let's take tomb as some of those deep, dark areas of your life. Let's do that. Let's, let's put that there. And, and, and let's picture something in that tomb. What would be empty in your life today? 
if Jesus resurrected some things in your life and changed some things in your life? What would change in your life if you walked up and the tomb was empty? Like the problems in your life, the, the situations that you've been facing. And you walked in and all of a sudden an angel was like, hey, they're not here anymore. And you realize at that moment that the sacrifice was enough. Think about that. When the angel is there, it's almost like going back to the holiest of holies. Because there would be blood sprinkled onto the mercy seat. And here's an angel. Remember, there's two angels on top of the... Pretty crazy, right? And then here was blood on... This was like the perfect sacrifice. The atonement for our sins. He was pierced for my story. I nailed him there. And I see this and it just... Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So remember all the crazy things that's happened at the beginning, and now we come to a time of peace. Jesus has risen. The tomb is empty. And I don't know, but if you feel that you've been living in chaos, maybe it's time to turn to Jesus and let him change that tomb from full to vacant. Maybe we need to turn to Jesus and put some things into his hand so that he can be that sacrifice for our lives. I want the perfect sacrifice in my life, but I can't bring it. I can't bring it. All I've got is this brokenness. And I've got to bring that to Jesus. But you know what? That's enough. That's all I need to bring. It's my broken self. And, and that is good enough. It says in Philippians 2, 9 through 10, it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those that are under the earth. Because of his power, I can look at an empty tomb Take a couple of couple of generations back there to Cain and remember what happened when his sacrifice was rejected. Does everybody remember about Cain? What would happen with his sacrifice? It's just like God rejected it, right? He didn't consume it. He, he did the wrong thing, right? Like we, we look at we look at Cain and we're almost like, oh, but Cain, he was being sincere in his heart, right? For for offer, he was doing. He was still doing a sacrifice. It was still taking up some of it right. But it wasn't, yes, it wasn't the right one. It wasn't what God required. But Elijah, look at Elijah. I like this story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, Elijah. He goes, he builds the altar as he was supposed to. Kills the cow. Put it, I don't know what it was he killed. Probably a cow. Go with that. Puts it up there. The prophets of Baal have been going crazy, cutting themselves, tearing their clothes, like crazy out of their mind. Their God never answers by, by fire. And Elijah like says this like five word prayer. I don't know. It's, it's like around that. And, and it's like, bam, the fire falls and consumes the rocks, the wood, the sacrifice, the water that was all around it. Like what? So when the sacrifice is accepted, when it's what God wants, all of a sudden things get consumed. You want to be on fire for God? Go ahead and just say, okay, God, I'm going to give you myself. Because you know what he wants? He wants, he wants you. He wants your heart. He wants you to be like, okay, 
God, I'm going to answer the call. I'm going to do it. And, and, and when you do that, when you will say that, I'm telling you, God will fall. He will fall and he'll begin to consume because that is good enough. That's all. Because Jesus died on the cross for me because he was the perfect sacrifice and he isn't in the tomb no more. I can live a victorious life. So, yes, it was my sin that nailed him there. But the resurrection that took place was signifying that the sacrifice was accepted. The ultimate atonement for my sins. When I fall on my face in repentance, I am buried. And, I, and when I am buried with him in baptism, then I get to rise up and, and become a new creation in him. That, that's why it's important to come and, and have a time of repentance. That's why we preach about baptism. Because it talks about it in the Bible. We want to be in the Bible and everything that we do. I'm not bound by this world. I'm not bound by my past. I'm not bound by an addiction. I'm not held to what I was. I am a new creation in Christ. I get to walk in victory because I chase after the one who is victorious. The tomb is empty. Romans 6, 1 through 4 and like, maybe the next thing we'll have to study is Romans, because like I was like going through this and I was like, oh my Lord, I've almost co copied the entire chapter of Romans chapter six. And then I reduced it down to the first four verses. So you're welcome. We'd be here a lot longer. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, what would we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? No, Absolutely not. That's what verse 2 says. Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. I get a new life. Like I got a new lease on life. Like the old me. Like I don't. That doesn't have to like factor into the. I get a new life. Like I got a messed up past guys. I get a new life. Like you got to get. You should be excited. Like the Bible says you get a new life. Like you, you don't have to live by the past anymore. I'm thankful for that. So I, I, as I was looking at those scriptures, should we continue in sin so that grace might multiply? No. That's why there's got to be repentance. And I, that's why I should come. Like, that's why sometimes I pray every day. God, forgive me because you know I messed up today. You know I should not have said that to that person. But here I am. My bad attitude. God, please forgive me for my bad attitude. Help me to not have a bad attitude. Let's like, let's turn from the life and make some changes in our life. Let, let's not continue to head down the same road. Let's make some tweaks. That is what discipleship is. The final challenge. Oh, we see Jesus often after healing someone, challenge them. And uh, sometimes his phrases would be like, Go and sin no more. Your faith has made you whole. Uh, tell what you have seen. In Decapolis, remember the, 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 the possessed man, the man of the Gadarenes? And he went off into Decapolis and spread the good works of God. 
go show yourself to the priest that you are clean. The man with the leprosy, he went and showed himself to the priest that he was clean and then told a bunch of other people. Um, so many times we see Jesus make contact with people. Then he changes their situation. And then he charges them with something that's creating a challenge for them. So, where is your faith today? As I was praying last night, I asked God, I was like, God, let me walk in faith. Like, let me, let me be different than what I've always been. Like, let me walk in boldness. Like, sometimes preaching is hard because you're like, if I say that, that might make them mad. <laughs> but I, you know what? Like, it's not me. I promise, guys. I love each and every one of you. But sometimes, like, the Bible, like, <laughs> quicker than, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, <laughs> dividing apart the, yeah, that's a Bible verse, too. So, like, the Bible, like, does this. So, if I read it, like, it's God, not me. <laughs> Change your life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where is your faith today? Are you ready for the challenge? So we see this time and time again. Jesus, they come into the presence of Jesus. And he makes contact with them. And it changes them. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? You can't come into contact with Jesus. You touching him or him touching you without something taking place. There will be a change. And then... In all these cases, when that change happens, then he charges them with something to do, which creates a challenge. Will they answer the call? Will they do what he asked of them? So I ask you, are you ready for the challenge? It's my prayer that throughout this series of 20 weeks Oh, I hope some of this stuck with you and myself. I hope this isn't just like ending a series and on a hype. But like, I really hope this really stuck with me because from where I'm at today and where I was 20 weeks ago, I have a different perspective on my life. I hope that you have fallen in love with Jesus more and more. It's my hope that now at the conclusion of this series, you will accept the final challenge that Jesus gave. If you call yourself a Christian, you must be willing to follow Jesus in pattern, in practice, and in power. But you also must be willing to follow what he says. Like, that's like discipleship 101. Follow what Jesus says. So, let's begin with the final words before the ascension. In Mark 16, verse 14. I am just about finished here in a little bit. Later, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. So I just remember like two, two, two minutes ago, like when I was like, sometimes I'm going to say things that maybe like sounds mean, but I'm really not meaning them mean. Like take them to heart. Like sometimes... God is trying to make changes in people's lives. They were reclining back at the table. They didn't believe the reports of Jesus. They were kind of stuck in a funk. You ever been stuck in a funk before? You know, like 
in your mindset, you're like, ugh. Like you just, you're kind of stuck in a funk, you know? Everybody knows what that is. We're all on the same page, right? Here's these disciples. Like I see them, they're reclining around the table. You know, like depressed and sad that Jesus is dead. Like, dude, you guys walked with him for a long time. And you, like you, you how did you forget? Like he said he was going to rise again. And, and, you know, us as Christians sometimes, this is the picture of us. I am not being mean. I promise you this. But this is the picture. Like, the disciples did it. Guys, they were with him. So, like, we are not exempt. Like, we can become just like the disciples in, in a sense. And so they were sitting around the table. What do you do when you're around the table? Who, what do you guys do? Yes, thank you. Okay. That's what I was hoping you would say. Because, like, if it was, like, play games, I was like, well, yeah, I guess we do that too. But can we do something else? Yes, normally we're eating around the table. Not in my house. We sit in the living room. And sometimes. <laughs> um. And here I see these disciples leaning back. They were with Jesus. They had some wild experiences with Jesus. What Jesus had wanted for them, I believe, was for them to kind of learn how to feed themselves, right? And I'm not talking about food. I'm pretty sure these grown men could feed themselves a steak or whatever, you know. I was talking about spiritually, and I think that as Christians, sometimes, I mean, we see, it says in the Bible that, you know, like the, the days will wax worse, you know, to gather more and, you know, forsake not the gathering of the brethren, the more as you see the day approach, you know, like, hey, gather more, like do more and, you know, reach people. Sometimes we get stuck in that funk, you know, depressed. And you kind of get trapped by that thought that's in your head. And, and you, you really struggle with that next step and moving forward. And that, that funk just like kind of controls you. And I just like, I don't fault the disciples. They were doing that. But sometimes, sometimes we're like the disciples. I want to say this as like respectfully as I can. Because I'm probably, I bet you, the majority of you have never heard anyone call people this before. But a lot of times, um, We've been fed by someone else for way too long. In the sense of, you know, the bottle feeding and the, the baby food. And we've just become fat Christians. And we're not doing what we, we're supposed to do. We expect someone else to feed us. We expect someone else to do it. And we don't do it ourselves by cracking the Bible and studying the word. And we've become fat Christians where we come to church and we expect people to cater to us. Kick back, relax, and waiting on Jesus to come back. But what are we supposed to do? Yeah, that's where I'm going to next. <laughs> so let's kind of, let's move into that direction. So Jesus steps into the room, right? And he's like, he rebukes their unbelief for not believing that he was going to be raised again. He rebukes that unbelief. And they were struggling to escape this thought. And here comes Jesus. And he's like, what is with you guys? Come on, get with it. Many times this becomes the, the perception that I get of Christians. Like that we're just sitting around the table not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Now, I don't know what the disciples could have been doing. It's been three days. Like I'll give them that. Like they were grieving. They lost a friend. But 
They knew that there was something coming. He had been preparing them for it. Hey, come on, guys, you were with him. So I don't fault any of us. But we've got to look at these lives so that we don't make the same mistakes. So, yes, yeah, sometimes we, we make a mistake, but we've got to put the bottle away and pick up the fork and start doing it ourselves. Like, we've got to do some things. So pretty much we need Jesus to step in and rebuke our unbelief. Sometimes we just need to be like, okay, God, I just need you to step in and rebuke my unbelief because you know that I don't have it. So, so let me just do this real quick. Like I said that I would walk in faith. And since I'm preaching about rebuking the unbelief, let's just do it right now. God, right now I rebuke any unbelief in Jesus name. Uh, it can't have a place in here. We, we've got to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The, the name that makes demons tremble. That's the name of Jesus. Uh, I rebuke that in Jesus name. There should be peace in this place in Jesus name. So I went ahead and said that. So now that there's no unbelief in here, we'll focus on the belief part. Will you believe the report of the Lord? Jesus rebukes the unbelief and probably freaks the 11 out and then goes right into what they need to do. So like I think about this, like it just like says he appeared, like rebukes their unbelief. Like uh, Peter probably fell back in his chair. Like this like Bible for kids. Don't lean back in your chair. Um, <laughs> There, there was a priest, though, like in the Old Testament, I think, that died, like, from leaning back in his chair. Like, you know, there is a there is Bible for it. So just FYI, parents, if you need some Bible, I can get that for you. We can do a Bible study on leaning back in your chair. <laughs> um, he, he comes in, rebukes the unbelief, and I, I don't know if, like, he kicks the door in, like, steps in, or he just, like, appears. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I like to think that Jesus, you know, like, probably would have scared him, you know. <laughs> jerks just sitting here mourning my death <laughs> oh anyways uh it's probably a good thing i wasn't jesus <laughs> this would be written so differently <laughs> so mark 16 verse 15 says then he said to them or he says he, he freaks them out rebukes them and then says then he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So, you could make the argument that it was just the disciples that he was talking to. Whatever, if you want to think that, probably church isn't for you. Because <laughs> I don't think he was talking to just the disciples. I think it was a commission for all of us. And so while he only said that to the 11, I don't believe it rides on them. If you want to walk around with the title of Christian, then you have to remember to be that follower in pattern, in practice, and in power. And you better do what Jesus said. So remember a few back chapters back when, when Jesus tells the disciples to them uh, that they can't take anything with them. They can, they can have the shirt on their back and a staff and stuff like that. And we talked about how, like, sometimes the removing of things, look, it, it looks like it's all being removed. But really, he's just equipping. So Jesus is about to leave, right? So now it's on them to carry the gospel to the whole world. So what are they supposed to do? Go and create disciples. 
create more disciples, continue to preach the gospel. Because 11 men can't spread it. 11 people can't change the world, but it can be the start of where the world has changed. What if, when I talk about this, like, I think real big, I have high expectations of God. Real big expectations. I told Betty this last night. I have high expectations because it says in the Bible that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. So I think real big. I'm like, if he put it in the Bible, then I get to think real big. And, and, and what prayer does is it prepares me when it doesn't come out like how I want it, that I'm okay with it. And so in, in, in verses 15 through 18, it says, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Now, this is the part, guys. Remember, Jesus is about to leave. But this is the equipping part. It gets exciting. So, like, as you read these, your heart should start to beat a little faster. As it says, in my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So, so when he left them, they were fully equipped. Sure, I'm sure they were a little nervous, but Jesus was resurrected from the tomb that they got to walk in newness of life the tomb was no longer full but it was vacant you can have that experience in your life the tomb can be rolled away that stone that that darkened place of your life and light can come in and begin to shine light in a dark area of your life and begin to change you and make you into what you need to be you can't have fear when the tomb is empty remember back in the acts in acts 1 and 8 it says you'll receive power after that, the Holy Ghost is come on, come upon you. If you flip a couple pages over from Acts, depending on which Bible you have, it's like one page, maybe it's two pages, and you're in, in Acts chapter 2, you'll begin to see all of a sudden the house where they were sitting began to be filled with a, with a rushing mighty wind, and it fills all the house where they're sitting. And they begin to speak in other tongues. Jesus said they'd speak with a new tongue. Look, look what Jesus says. He does. And so I don't know about you, but I want what the first church had. I don't want what the church down the street's got. I want what the first church had because the first church walked with power. The first church walked in authority. It didn't matter. They, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Come on. I want that in my life. Like why can't signs that it says these signs shall follow them that which believe. Are we believers? shouldn't, shouldn't what the Bible says be happening? Maybe because sometimes we're lacking in faith. We like to get in, put Jesus in the box. He looks cute, you know, we put him on the cross and like, Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. Like, 
He's not in the tomb anymore. He's not dead. He's alive and well. He's living inside of me. I'm thankful. I get to walk in power. I've got to have faith. I want to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. I want to lay hands and see people. I don't even have to lay hands on them. I believe that we can speak a word and someone in Fargo can be touched, that someone in wherever Africa can be touched. Like God can move. I want to walk around. I liked this one when I wrote it with the faith, the size of Mount Everest, because all I need is the faith, the size of a grain of mustard seed. But but I want to have a big faith. I want to walk around with faith. God, I have I believe that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. I want to walk with no fear in my life. I don't have to have fear. I shared this in Moorhead, and so I'm going to share it here um, kind of kind of funny so like I've had dreams before like you know you have those like scary dreams and you know like I don't know if you've had a ever scary dream and you know like there's someone chasing you and you like you're running from them and all that stuff and you know it's scary I don't know sometimes like you have those dreams like there's a devil in your dream or something like that I've had those dreams like so I had one the other night like I don't like advertise this but <laughs> there was this I had this dream this last night and I'm, like, standing in this room. I feel like this, like, evil thing, like, step in. It, like, woke me up in the middle of the night, like, praying last night. And uh, felt this, like, evil thing. like. And, uh, like, normally those things would scare me. And, and I've said it a few times, like, you can't touch this. I, like, remember we are talking in the men's Bible study? I want hell to know my name. Yeah, okay, so, like, in this dream, like... I like stood up and I was like, I'm not, I'm not afraid. And I started walking towards like what I felt. And like, I, I saw it like peek its head around the corner. And I just like, I started rebuking it. And I was like, I ain't afraid. And like, then I woke up and I was like in the middle of prayer. Like it was weird last night. Just like, but like, I was just like, normally those dreams used to scare me. And you know what? Like I, I, I'm a scared. <laughs> I, I'm afraid, like, just, just FYI, hell, I hope you know my name, <laughs> and, 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 and hell needs to know your name, too, so get on your knees and pray, hell needs to know the name of New Hope Church, like, don't mess with them, they get on their knees and they pray, <laughs> oh, we gotta be one mind and one accord, so satisfaction is not good enough for me, I must have a deeper relationship with Jesus, it's my deepest desire that this series maybe inspired you a little bit and called you to a deeper relationship with Jesus. It's my hope that God has called you out of the funk and given you a vision so that you can walk on solid ground. It's my prayer that you have a desire to see an empty tomb in your life. I believe we still serve a resurrected king. I believe we still serve a God that is all powerful. That all I have to do is call his name and demons begin to tremble. That I call his name and he steps in and makes the difference. I've got to call his name. I have got to be in his presence. He didn't make it so that that veil was torn so that I could just let it become commonplace. But he tore it so that I could spend time with him. He, he tore that veil so that it was no longer going between someone else but it was just me and Jesus we've got a relationship and he wants a relationship with each and every one of you in here today every single person that hears this he wants a relationship with you and so I challenge you today 
to find some time this week, to find some time today to, 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 to seek God's face, to, 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 to ask him, what is the next step for my life? What do you need me to do, God? What are you calling me to? I promise you this. If you will do that, he will make a difference in your life. He, he can change you. Like sometimes I think we're afraid that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. That's, that's just the voice of the enemy. Because you are worthy. As he hung there on the cross, he called out your, I'm not biblically saying, but I believe he said he saw your name. I believe he saw who you were and wanted to make a change in your life. And I believe that today that if we will call on his name, that he will move in our lives today. And so I'm asking you today, would you take some time and remember what he did on Calvary for you? Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I pray that you would sweep into this place right now, God. God, that your presence, God, that your wind, just as it was on the day of Pentecost, would begin to fill this house, God. That you would rise us up with a boldness, God, to preach the gospel. I ask you today, church, are you ready to accept the challenge that Jesus gave? Are you ready?